This is Jane Hardwick Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. Welcome to episode 18 of the Womancraft podcast. As we journey with Sarah and in 2012, Sarah Miller embarked upon her first journey to the School of Shamanic Womancraft. So it resonated profoundly and Sarah felt called to this sacred dance and drum beat. The drum making journey was one of the most potent connections, especially connecting her own birth story to that of the drum making. And also the journey of Lilith sparked even further Sarah's deep interest in the mythopoetic world. Sarah's growth was developing in the Four Seasons journey and she developed such a depth of connection to herself and the embodiment of her current practices as now a co-teacher of the Otway's Four Seasons journey, which if you are listening in November 2019 starts next month and enrolments are open for this amazing time and the Moonsong Workshops. So dance, ritual and finding that inner voice are all revealed in this wonderful podcast. So enjoy and lots of love. Okay. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Womancraft podcast. And you are very welcome here today and it's great to catch up with you and just calling in lots of presence with our chat today and talking about your journey that started in 2013. Um, with the school and into where you're doing teaching and um, all the magical offerings you have. So it's a big pleasure to have you. It's a big pleasure to be here, Ayla. Thank you. Mm. So I always like to start it off and if you can time warp yourself back to 2013 and... I love that feeling of knowing what, what called you into the school and what was coming up for you at that time to, to journey. So it was, in, it was in 2012 and I think I was one of those rare creatures that hadn't known of the school, hadn't really um, seen much of it and I was running dance classes for women and I did my first circle and a woman just mentioned this way of calling oneself present and named the school and I went to the website and it was (laughs) one of those moments when it's just such a big yes because I was at that time probably um, I had a 13 year old or 12 year old boy and a 
uh, 11-year-old daughter and I'd been deeply in the mothering and just starting my own work. But the thing about the school that just grabbed me immediately was the weaving in of myth, the weaving in of feminine and the weaving in of earth. And they were always the strongest impulses in my life. And I guess with mothering, you know, you're kind of doing the mothering as the central thing and to just uh, see on that website, it was like a portal. Oh, my goodness. It just called to me and I I just dived in. I, I didn't know much about it. I had a conversation with the beautiful Melinda Wyman who was the admin woman there and I just said yes. <laughs> so I opened that door on the website. You know, there's that beautiful picture of a doorway and... Um, I felt very called. It resonated deeply with things that have always been alive in me but um, hadn't had my full attention through the mothering years. And at that time you just mentioned myth and the feminine and the earth. Were you consciously practising any of those aspects in yourself when you're healing or with your, your mothering, that type of thing? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so myth, the first one, I, I, the beautiful thing about having children is you get to tell lots of stories and um, read lots of stories and um, stories were always part of our daily ritual um, and definitely myths and fairy tales had always been rich in my life and passed them on to them. But, you know, in my academic studies I did Uh, So I did fine art and literature and um, I'd actually studied images of the goddess Diana at the court of Fontainebleau in France. So I sort of had this academic life that um, was resting for a while. Um, And in terms of earth, that's, you know, again with children, the the beauty of children is they take us right back to where we need to be and lots of that, you know, just bushwalks, just walking around the block, going to the park, that way they go slow and are immersed in a puddle or in a rain cloud or a leaf. So we had lots of that, um, but I felt partly my activism in terms of working for the earth, um, I wasn't doing as much of that, um, which I'll talk to later because I actually (laughs) realise you do it in different ways with children. Um, So, yeah, myth, earth and um, the feminine, well, Mothering is part of the feminine, <laughs> a huge part of the feminine. Um, and I had just started taking um, dance, teaching dance, which came out of nowhere. Came, was I was going to dance classes and suddenly the teacher was leaving and asked me to do it. So um, that had just begun in my life. So I was feeling my way back out into the world, I guess. And, um, yeah, for me that was connecting women back into our bodies and the earth and how we might do that through dance, um, just being alive to the impulses that move within us. So all of that was just starting to um, to come back and seeing the school's website and what they were offering and speaking to Melinda. It, it felt like all those things were being offered in one place for me. Mm, beautiful. And so can you remember the moments of walking into your first gathering and what was coming up for you and what what the feelings were around well, all that too? Well, it was funny because I, there was a woman, um, Grace, and we decided to go together. We'd never met, and but I was going to pick her up. She wanted to catch the train some of the way, so it was actually I was an hour late traffic jam getting out of Melbourne um, and I texted her but realised later my text hadn't even got through to her and but she was beautiful she wasn't even fast she was sitting there um, I can't remember where we were somewhere she caught the train too so 
yeah, I was nervous and excited, um, and but it felt good walking in with someone, even though I didn't know her. And we came to the property, and I will never forget Jane's, you know, beautiful kiss on the mouth. I was like, oh, hello, I'm here. <laughs> you know, it was that full body welcome, and um, yeah, and just being on her land, and a really beautiful welcome, and of course, feeling nervous, and oh, who are these women, and inside that red tent, but down by her creek, and. Uh, yeah, lots of excitement and nerves. And I sat next to Viv and Raven, two beautiful women, um, who I actually caught up recently with Raven, which was lovely because she lives in another state. Um, yeah, so it was all the excitement of knowing that you're in the right place and, and I don't know anybody here and, uh, you know, all of that. Mm. And did you sort of you know, come into it as having sat in circle with women before or what was your experience of sitting, being so close to women, I guess, in that sense? Well, I'd started my um, embodiment stance. I started that um, in 2010 and so that was a weekly, then it was a weekly dance class. I, I mean, there was probably about eight, sometimes five, but um women together so dancing so we did the, the approach that I had um, learned from Mel was to you know do a bit of a welcome and then move and um, and at the end after our dancing moving we would sit in a kind of circle and withdraw or write and uh, then share on that so that was really my introduction it came out through her dance um, which yeah, I took that formula. So I had sat in circle with women in that way and another woman had started some circles and asked me to join with her. But it was, it was yeah, it was it was different to uh, a huge circle of women, well, huge, but like huge. I think about 16 of us starting and it was a different, it was different, yeah. It was new to me but felt very familiar and that's one of the wonderful things when you, come to these circles and now I often hear women say oh it feels like coming home uh, so I think it is that bodied memory we have of being in circle even if it hasn't been in this lifetime uh, there really was that sense of homecoming which was wonderful yeah there's quite a few of the podcasts that um I'd say most of them, all of them, <laughs> where we've spoken about that container of safety mm. and just that sense of feeling, even though it can be quite confronting coming into these spaces that um, we might not have experienced before, there's that sense of homecoming which then wraps around that safety feeling and how important that is for these yeah. processes to develop and express ourselves yeah, I think the safety is paramount and, um, yeah, and I, I really liked the way that Jane wove them in, you know, really creating the container of safety, calling in the elements, calling in the directions, grounding us, you know, down to earth and spirit uh, and, you know, asking each of us to be, to hold the, the safety of the the container and the sacredness of that and confidentiality and all of those things and it's you know important every time we hold a circle that we do those things because um 
we need to feel safe to, to dive deep in the ways that we do and, um, you know, you want everyone to always feel safe but that's not the case. So the more that we can create safety, the more that can ripple out and people can share that in their lives too, not just when they're in circle but cultivating a sense of safety. And so did you go through the drum making process on your journey and how was that yeah that was the drum birth yeah the drum making so the drum birth yes so um um and my particular drum I tell this story a bit I hold drum making workshops and um it was just such an incredible experience the opening gathering when we when we birthed a drum and um we sat in the room and um, we had all these hides in front of us and I it's rather a long story but um, Jane had said you know they're all all the all the hides are does and of course I looked down at the hide in front of me and I could see written on it buck and I thought oh well, this one is a male it's not a female um, you know and just watch that come up and then she says oh, well you know go around and choose the hide and doesn't have to be the one in front of you walk around and I did a bit of that but came back to the one in front of me and, you know, she said, ask it, is your is it your hide? And, I, you know, I can be quite sceptical. Oh, is that my hide? But, of course, I asked and there was this huge yes that came back to me and I was a bit shocked and, okay, you're my hide. And um, so, the, you know, we cut out the hide and I kept thinking, oh, I can't do this. And, oh, I didn't follow that and I can't, I can't, I can't, which has long been part of my story. I can't. And can't do things, I'm not creative. All of that was part of the, the discourse that I was telling myself a lot. And um, anyway, we did the beautiful ritual of cutting out and bathing the, the hide in the creek overnight and the next day started the process of making and lacing and, again, looking at these wad of instructions. as ah, you know, all kinds of little stories were happening in my head. And I had reflected a little bit on my birth and I'm the fourth of five children and mum had always said birth was easy and, you know, just was fine. So I just was thinking natural birth and um, but I needed a break. I was getting frustrated and tense and um, went to this beautiful book, Being Born, that Jane had shown us. And, you know, when you open a book and it just lands on a page and it landed on the page, the wrong child, and I just burst into tears because I remembered how they had wanted a boy and I was a girl. And so I let just, you know, I just cried at the the sadness of that, of feeling the wrongness and then saw how, oh, my, my beautiful drum. Jane said he was supposed to be a girl and he's a boy. So immediately we had this strong affinity and I could see that he was going to teach me a lot about the rightness of me and the rightness of him. And um, I have journeyed with that drum through many, many um, journeys and life and he keeps teaching me. But it was really at the heart that that sense of through that whole process of drum making, coming to terms with the rightness of me and, um, yeah, working on the story of wrongness and I can't that I had carried because of that sense um, of wrongness. So uh, my relationship my, with my drum, Sage, he's called Sage, has been a very healing one. And, um, yeah, I just love that process. I loved the process so much. 
and want to share that with other women and in the work that I do now and hearing whatever the story that the woman has of her birth and sometimes siblings' birth and sometimes other births, um, just how profound this process of drum making, of turning up to one's birth story and letting the animal and the tree um, guide us in what we need to see and um, hear for ourselves about our own journey and yeah so the drum making was amazing uh i mean the whole course was but that's been a particularly profound journey uh for me yeah and even when i made my drum at the end he um you know he didn't look perfect i didn't lace him up perfectly and it was a bit lopsided and again it was coming to appreciate you know I, I, that idea that there isn't perfection that um and to really trust the way i had made him and all the lessons i got on the way and uh that he would keep teaching me about being okay with who i am as i am just as i learned to be okay with who he is as he is do you feel like that's carried into your work as drum making facilitator yeah, as well like do you, is that a bit of a calling for you to keep that journey alive oh it's yeah definitely keep it alive and share with women um you know that's my story and they will each have their own story and um oh it's just so amazing i i still don't quite get it this is the magic of this work how we can show up for this and you know hear what um what story that is being birthed through the process of birthing a drum. And um, I meant to check in and ask some women if I could share their stories, but I haven't. Um, but, you know, time and time again, something will happen with the cutting or with the lacing or with the making, you know, whether it's a tangle, you know, representing a cord around the neck, whether it's um, just watching as... Um, something takes time and women having to be with the time and the time of their own birth um yeah all kinds of things um each and every time so I guess for me um partly it's great I've I've made several drums and watched um every time mm -hmm. I make a mistake I think I can think now great that's a good teaching <laughs> that's a good learning and teaching process and I say right from the beginning I'm not an expert um, I'm not here as an expert um, instrument maker um, I'm here as someone who can hold tenderly and lovingly the sacred space um, of birthing one's drum and what that means for one's own life uh, holding tenderly their stories of their birth uh, and what may arise for them and it's a yeah it's a really beautiful profound process and you know just recently someone wrote to me oh, I didn't I didn't expect to have you know to, to have the journey that I had through making my drum um we say it you know and we tell them this is a deep process and but again you, you you're never quite ready until you experience it and um it's really a deep beautiful journey so yeah I feel really blessed to keep working with the drum and and even in the um the other way, my drum. I for the some time during my journey, um, I decided to drum every day. And there were two, one tragedy uh, for a neighbour, and also my brother going through a really difficult divorce. And I just drummed every day, and um, that was my commitment to them to just send my loving prayers. 
via the drum to them and again just watching the the magic that unfolded um through that I never told my neighbor and I still haven't um but uh, it was just a way of sending love and I think that's one of the beautiful things about the drum we can send our prayers uh, out into the world through sound through the vibration and frequency that that resonates with and through the drum and yeah that's been another big part of my life working with the drum in that way knowing that sound creates form and that form can be healing and love if we put that in with our intention Um, and then trusting the work of the drum itself to carry his his Um, own love out into the world that process of drumming daily look for you was it like how was I just want to try to sort of wrap my vision into it of was it like five minutes a day or did you have a special spot or just just so people can sort of yeah yeah I tended yeah well for me yes it tended to be outside as someone who loves nature and I tended to I've got a lovely little safe backyard (laughs) big tall pear trees very very tall pear trees um and it's kind of cocooned in there so I tended to you know put my bare feet on the ground and drum uh and really to with a beater um rather than the hand mostly um and I tended to follow that idea Michael Drake in the shamanic drum talks about finding the sweet spot of your drum So I would beat the drum and find that sweet spot and find this rhythm um, as he talks about that there there is a rhythm that will come rather than me leading it, if that makes sense. I would just let the rhythm come. And it tended to be at night um, and I would just, you know, put my roots down through the earth and um, heart open to the drum and connect to air and sometimes I might have done more of a ritual but sometimes really just that standing and grounding and connecting to earth and body and air and spirit and then letting myself drum or be drummed it really felt like I was being drummed in the process and um, always acknowledging and sending the love that I had for not only those two um, for others as well but that was certainly my primary impulse uh but you know sometimes I'd be in bed and I'd jump out oh my goodness I haven't drummed (laughs) and um yeah and then I would drum jump out of bed and drum so it felt like you know for me um, I'm a number five if you know numerology and so discipline and freedom my friend or Sonia who's also a number five always tells me and so you know I need those kind of disciplines in my life to to hold me to something um and that felt very important so I don't I don't drum now every day. That was a full year, um, but I do drum often. Uh, but I'm actually practicing the hand drum, learning some of the mm. the, the rhythms uh, with the hand. So that's a whole new and exciting way of playing the drum. It's beautiful. Thank you for that offering. I feel I'm a number five too, and I completely resonate with what you just said. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I just feel all inspired now because I haven't yeah. actually picked my drum up for quite a while. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go and actually just do that, even if yeah. it's a few minutes under. A, we have this beautiful oak tree that I'm looking at right now and I would just love to go sit under her. Oh, She's like a grandmother lovely. tree. 
Yeah, that's good. It's just nice to be oh, gifted beautiful. with these little little things of like, yeah, I can. We can do that. You know, it's a few minutes, and it's so beautiful to create that discipline. Yeah. Um, and the offerings that come from simple yeah. things like that. It's a nice reminder. So thank you. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. During the journey, the drum making was very profound. Was there any other um, experiences or processes that really um, you felt into that really flowed and worked and you had some more profound meaning with that you could share? I I guess one of the most potent um, things that we did, and we did it every time in every single way, uh, really is the wisdom of the cycles, which... um, the whole journey is so deeply enmeshed with the cycles because everything we do is cyclical and uh, it's just often forgotten. And so for me personally, coming to appreciate uh, my menstrual cycle was really profound. Uh, I, I, I guess I hadn't appreciated my menstrual cycle much, although I was someone as an environmentalist always. I was someone who used cloth pads quite regularly um that's just what I did because uh, more you know in terms of waste and the environmental cost of um, piling up pads and tampons so I had used cloth pads for a while but I just sort of poured my blood unconsciously I didn't do anything with my blood I didn't really understand what a beautiful opportunity it was to um, pour my menstrual blood on the earth and again, make prayers. And I guess for me, as someone who was environmental, to to recognise, um, wow, this blood, you know, is so rich and potent. And like, you know, I've always composted food. Uh, here, I can pour my blood lovingly back to the earth, and that's a gift for her because it's so nutrient rich. And again, that was that was just such a blessing. As I just felt, oh, I can give back. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I guess in many ways I felt um, kind of a jaded activism. Activism was always important but uh, too negative, you know. You, you, you get caught up in the pain and you get caught up in the us and them and the separation. And um, so to have this really simple, beautiful way of gifting my blood back to the earth in such a loving way um, just felt, yeah, so potent and powerful. And um, so that was part of this whole wisdom of the cycles and the other beautiful part of that was coming to appreciate that the bleeding time was a time to rest and uh, if we could honour that, if we could um, actually rest during our blood time then our whole cycle will shift and I really noticed for me that that um, pre-menstrum time when things would build up in my life and I could get ratty and uh, um, that once I had this ritual of um, okay I'm going straight to bed after (laughs) I've cooked dinner um, you know into bed with a cup of tea and a hottie and a book Oh wow! Uh, I really, it really shifted my whole cycle. I really looked forward to my blood time, and those things that were building up while they still did, I just had such a sense of oh, soon I'm going to get that beautiful release, 
and it's it changed my whole perspective of my cycle and um and not only my menstrual cycle but again this um idea of our descent phase and so that felt really potent for me personally and wanting to share that with other women um and I guess that whole idea of the descent which we spend a lot of time also in the course because that's the part our culture doesn't get you know we live in a growth economy or we pretend that we live in a growth economy on a planet that's uh, suffering so extremely from this idea of constant growth where decay and compost and rest and rejuvenation is not valued and we are so out of kilter personally and collectively because of it so looking at the myriad ways we could honor the descent um yeah that was really powerful and the actual journey with the dark goddess for me was probably one of the most potent experiences of my whole journey um which is hard to really put in words but um yeah, it was a deep appreciation for me on that weekend. What I came to was the nothingness and the everythingness, <laughs> um, the deep interconnection. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah, I just felt fully, 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 fully part of everything, cosmos, earth, and that was such a beautiful thing. And it came through the descent, you know, Um and I've done a lot of work and reading around that and Maureen Murdoch is someone who's looked at the heroine's journey we often hear about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and um, she looked at the heroine's journey and said basically that women descend into their power and um, that's what a lot of the menstruality work is now about and this work really that we do, we descend into our power and um, that's uh, still resonating with me in so many aspects of my life and um, Yes, so so many of the stories of the event. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, we mentioned before we were recording Inanna's descent and then Skeleton Woman. Um, mm. And just touching on the wisdom of the cycles, you run Moonsong as well. Yes. Um, do you do any? Do you just do Moonsong, or do you do any of the other? Yeah, no, no, I do Moonsong. That's the only workshop I teach apart from the drum making and I, I will be teaching the whole journey, but uh, at the moment the Moonsong, which for me is kind of like the foundational workshop uh, because, yeah, just goes so deeply into the cycles and how our menstrual cycle is aligned with the earth phases and, I mean, the, the moon phases and the earth seasons and, the seasonal sabbats and then there, yeah, then there's the myths, uh, but all woven in and the correspondence between each and um, our life seasons. So, yeah, I love the Moonsong is such a, you know, it's such a short workshop. It's only one day, <laughs> only one day to try and um, mm. look at all this. But the beautiful thing is it's such a bodied remembering for women and once you start sharing it, they're like, aha, and uh, can really see the way, you know, even a day, a 24-hour day and night um, can correspond with the waxing of light or the waxing of the moon of the follicular phase in our menstrual cycle of, you know, the springtime of our life and then, you know, the night. So it's it's just all woven in increasing dark, um, 
Yeah, everything, uh, just seeing the ways in which the cycles of nature are just embedded within us and in, in everything, in all yeah. life, death, life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it, and the aha moments too, it must be beautiful to see that in that facilitation and to see that growth that comes from that. Look, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And it's sometimes sad too. You know, I had a woman recently at one of my, and a beautiful Marga woman right in her Marga power. And um, so that's, for those that don't know, it's sort of that um, menopausal woman who's stepping into her power. And you know what, it, it, there's also a sadness that comes that why do we not know these things? Why do we live in a culture that would shame the menstrual cycle, that would shame the ageing woman, that would not appreciate, you know, the fecundity that comes from regeneration and compost and all of those things? So the ahas are beautiful, but there can be some sadness of for women who, um, why so late in my life do I know this or why don't I know my signs of fertility to be able to, um, you know, manage my, my own... Um, fertility myself yeah so there's a lot of our heart and beauty and there is also the sadness that this is not more widely taught and not available to every woman and every man yeah yeah definitely a grief process around that isn't it to honor that and to um to let whatever flows from that because that sadness is real and it's valid and it's just honoring um all that have come before us that have been oppressed from that and then we can step into being curious and rediscovering and remembering. And I feel from that instead of, like we were talking before about being the angry activist, we can be the curious seeker and the curious finder yes. and um, the offerer and the giving and receiving. And um, Oh, yeah, but yes, no. And I, I love your words, the curious seeker. And I think that's right. We need to be with whatever feelings arise, um, as Jane would always say, you know, let's be with what's arising in us. And then, you know, when that energy moves, there's space for something else to arise and um, certainly curiosity and enchantment, you know, are things that drive me. But I think um, I think all of us really, and part of this work is the re-enchantment with the world, the re-enchantment with our bodies and each other and life and um yeah, again, children's, children are great teachers. So I've spent some time in kindergartens and, oh, I love it because they're just enamoured with the world and oh, wanting to go and seek and find and what's there. And I think part of our work is to stay, stay curious and alive and enchanted because there is so much beauty every day in every way, beauty in this world and uh, always there showing itself to us so we can follow that curiosity and see where we go see where we end up or see where we are yeah I love that so much to follow it and and the beauty you know show the children the beauty way um and how mm. and how that's all surrounds us and for them to I think I feel like that's their gift that they need to be shown in this world is is that beauty and and that giving and receiving for sure mm. well I actually think they they don't need to be shown because it is natural within them. They just need environments that allow them to connect to nature because it's so innate, that delight and curiosity. 
um yeah like and I was lucky enough to be in a Steiner kinder so we had a big garden and trees to climb my goodness they could climb trees you know some places you can't do that um you know they had sand pits and mud piles and water and flowers and grasses and butterflies and birds and yeah that's all we need we just need them we just need to protect this (laughs) protect this beautiful land this sea this country um and and they will they will they, it's within them and we need to keep it alive in them and keep it alive in us yeah, yeah definitely yeah and I guess that's a part of the way show isn't it that in, in us it's mm. our responsibility as the adult to keep it alive and to remember that that childlike beauty mm. that we had and I think, have yeah, yeah that we had and we have yeah and I think it's interesting I live on Bunwarang land and um so the Kulin Nation, Bunjil, is the great creator and whenever you go to a ceremony and um, you're welcome onto the country, there's many rules but the two rules that they always articulate and speak to is that Bunjil asks that we look after the land, the big, and that we look after the children, the book book. Mm. And I think, wow, <laughs> if only we um, had done that right from the beginning. Well, we haven't but let's do it now. That You know, now's the time. Look after the land and the children. And wow, yeah. if we did that, you know, yeah, surely be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just like that thing um, with the cycles, you know. Imagine if everyone was pouring their blood back onto the earth and giving that space to uh, of gratitude and offering. Um, yeah, and that's probably not yeah. going to likely happen in our time. But just knowing that there's that change and shift already that is connecting back to earth and yeah. um, just being in reverence of that. Yeah. It's like such a beautiful time to be a human. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we're very lucky, you know, um, at this time of great peril uh, to be here and to feel our deep sense of purpose in walking away that is reverent and that is purposeful and that is mindful of this gift of a planet, um, this gift of a cosmos of which we are a part and to to do all that we can um, with joy and love um, to protect ourselves and her, you know, in her myriad forms. Yeah, mm. it's a very, very, very special time to be alive and, yes, yeah, keep trusting. And I'm just so blessed to have this work because... Um, you know, it's it's easy to despair. You know, the fires that are raging, the ah, oh, the decisions that are made in our name. Uh, you know, I've just been for a beautiful bird walk in a bush reserve, and there was there just weren't as there weren't as many birds as there could be. Um, and I know that's partly you know around here, even though we're in bush, people are building houses and they're knocking down the trees and the shrubs and. Yeah, so um, it's, I guess, like you said before, keeping our heart open to the grief um, helps us know that we're connected and then that we continue to work to do our little things, to notice, to plant, to compost, to pour our blood, to sing up the stories and the ways of reverence and connection. Mm, and yeah. into your teaching journey, um, so you did three mm. rounds of apprenticing, is that right? And then went into your yes, teaching yeah. this next year, is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I uh, have apprenticed with Nim Fox and um, Grace Funk was doing two of those years as a co-teacher with Nim and um, Nim was one of the apprentices when I did my year with Jane and I immediately felt drawn to her because, as she called me, then we are sisters of green, so that um, deep earth connection, very embodied earth connection strong in both of us so it's been really beautiful to apprentice um yeah with nim and her land and it really is an apprenticeship to the land there um on king parrot country it's very special land that's opened up to us and um yeah helping us cultivate that nyanilla or that deep listening um that we all need to remember to to learn again how to listen to the language of of plant and wind and tree and earth and and each other. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to be teaching with Nim and the the journey women have start we've been, been enrolling and uh, really excited to walk with her. I guess both of us have this deep connection to land and the deep connection to the mythopoetic to the stories that weave through us and speak to us, both of us uh, passionate about how alive stories are and how they can be sung up in us and, yeah, to journey with our mythic guides. So I'm very excited to be teaching uh, and see, see what arises in this coming year with these beautiful women, these brave journey women. Yeah. And when will that so last start? last year we, we journeyed a lot. So that starts uh, December. I think it's about the 6th of December. I'd have to check that the 6th, I think, is part of it. But um, it's the first full weekend in December that it's starting. Yeah. So soon. And as so there's, if there's more women who want to join us, join. <laughs> it's going to be divine. Awesome. I was just about to ask that if it's still open for um, joining. <laughs> Yes, it's still open. Um, we have a beautiful uh, gathering of women. and um, But, yes, if you're feeling the call, uh, please do join us. And it is a call, you know, it is this embodied, yes, and you're not quite sure what it is, um, but you just know you have to follow that call. So, um, And it's in yeah. the Otways, which is pretty really spectacular lucky. land. Um and it's over the course. Very special land. Yeah. yeah. And very special land. Tell me, Moonsong, you're running that next year, is that right? Moonsong, running that next year, yep. Um, so I just did one which was beautiful. And I'll have I tend to do two. Um, I might do three next year, three Moonsong workshops as well through the year, just um it's a beautiful introduction to the course. Sometimes, you know, you're not always like me diving in for a full year. Uh, it's a beautiful way to just tap into the to the wisdom of the cycles and um, to the bodied wisdom, the bodied way that we have. Uh, we're very blessed as women to have that cycle um, and the rites of passage. So we do a lot of work on that too. So I'm um, a Marga woman, a, a young Marga woman having experienced surgical menopause. So 
um, moving through that amazing initiate, initiate, I can't even say initiatory, <laughs> rite of passage that is menopause. But it's, um, yeah, so we, yeah, I love Moonsong. This, it says so much. It was originally a two day workshop, and it's in many ways, I'd love it to be two days again because there's just so much to share um, and to remember. But yes, yeah, so we, we dive in deeply in that day. Beautiful. And can I ask what I do like to ask um, as a kind of a wrap-up to honouring um, this time with you is if you gave any wisdom to women that were considering doing the Four Seasons journey and all around that calling and feeling that, what would you say? <laughs> What would I say if they were feeling it? Well, I don't know if we can say who our mythic guides are, who's coming with us, but um, in one of the stories that we're working with, um, the young woman really listens to her intuition. She listens to that inner voice. And I think that's the best thing that we can do to cultivate uh and respond to and follow that inner voice because there is that deep knowing of where we need to be next. And, yes, if we follow that call, uh, that voice within, then we will be in, in the right place that we need to be for our growth and our healing. So I definitely would, um, yeah, just just tune in. What does your intuition tell you? Um you can't go wrong if you listen to your intuition and that's a big part of this work to cultivate our inner listening we know so yeah that's what I'd say listen listen to what your wise woman inside is telling you and don't let the naysayers or the other voice you know that says oh mm -hmm. you can't do that or you know that chattering mind don't don't that one follow that that inner wise voice mm, beautiful thank you so much and just what was your uh, social media um handle so we can share that too and people can see and connect with you and um learn more about the four seasons journey that's upcoming so, so i'm embodiments dance my website is embodiments dance and um my uh, Instagram is also embodiments underscore dance, but I think if you put that in. And um, I just did want to say about embodiments. I studied environmental science and my then lecturer, Frank Fisher, always said we don't know something if we don't embody it. It's just an intellectual idea. And that's why I called my dance and my way embodiments dance. That, And I feel that that's what this course is. This is an embodiment of a way or ways of being being true to oneself, of calling up that feminine in her multiplicity and diversity and living that in our lives. So, yeah, that's why the embodiment's there and dance because I'm dancing through this life in whatever way that is. And, um, yeah, so that's my handle, handles. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was an absolute 
joy to have you and to listen to you and your unraveling of your journey and where you are now and um, really looking forward to seeing you flow through this year and teaching the Four Seasons journey as well. Well, thank you, Ayla. It's such a such an honour and um, feel very excited and lucky to be talking to you and hearing little whispers and what you've been sharing too. And I must say, that went really quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so much. Yeah, it's funny when you get into a flow, mm, I think it's, it starts unraveling and, yeah, curiosity takes away and, yeah, mm. and just being with what it with, what is. Yeah. Oh, good on you for doing mm-hmm. yeah. um, Good on you for doing this beautiful work of sharing yes, stories. it's important, our medicine and sharing where we are and especially for you guys too and, um to have that chance to for people to reflect and especially if someone's deciding to do the four season and make that commitment it's just so lovely to hear other people's journeys and callings and what what um their story is too yeah very very special thank you um one of the authors i love barry lopez says something like stories are the only way we're going to save ourselves so Here's to stories and storytellers. For more information on today's inner review with photos and how to connect, head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com forward slash media forward slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.